what is going on guys welcome back to the whole nine draft podcast i am your host josh berg joining me is alex katzen how you doing tonight alex hello doing pretty good uh, a little tired gonna yeah. be a long night tonight but uh, i have to register for classes in the morning so we'll see how everything goes but i'm excited to do this episode because it's yeah, a it's, fun one it's gonna be a fun one so last episode we both misspoke we thought we were gonna do a uh, dolphins seven round mock and that's coming it's gonna be next week but we decided Instead, we decided to do something that will take less time actually <laughs> pretty much it's almost the same amount of picks as the dolphins mock um the thing do, is a couple less. Yeah, a couple less. But we're going to do a first-round uh, mock for you. We're going to alternate picks back and forth. I've got the odds. Alex has the evens. We kind of just got onto a draft simulator, each pulled up uh, our rankings, and made picks that we think, like we're predicting what we think is going to happen in the NFL draft come April. Now, obviously, a lot of things can change. We still have the combine pro days, a lot of interviews, and we still, you know, injuries can happen, all that sort of things. We have free agency that can impact it. So, a lot of things can change, um, but hey, we're going to go ahead and do this. We're going to try to do this probably once every, probably four or five episodes, we'll say, depending on yeah, how things change. Yeah, I was going to say, we're definitely going to do more of these. Uh, and, this is know, just kind of like our preliminary thoughts. Yeah, and we'll do you know a two-rounder and some, some with trades, and we'll do a bunch of different stuff, whatever you guys want to hear. But, we'll do uh, one week where it's just a seven-rounder spread out over like seven-rounder, <laughs> like the night before the draft, it'll be released, an entire seven-round yeah. mock. But we'll do it like the three days of the draft. We'll do... Round one, and then rounds two and three, and then four through seven, oh, and just a sure. giant episode. For sure. Um, but before we get into pick one, which I don't think is a surprise to anyone, make sure uh, you guys follow us on Twitter. Um, Got to plug the socials. Follow the podcast at WNDraftPod. Follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611, and follow Alex at Alex Katzen. Go over to HomeLineSports.com. Check out the latest articles out there. Um, every Monday we have a mock draft. We've got a couple new articles that are coming out in the next couple of days and then go over to whole nine sports um on twitter as well at whole nine sports for a bunch of interactive stuff uh we've got some cool stuff that we're teasing over there too so make sure you guys go and give us all a follow and we like five stars so go over to the review tab and hit the five star button and write a lengthy paragraph about how much you love me or love alex or hate one of us Who, who's your favorite host we want to know in the review section uh, so go ahead and put that down there but uh, first pick, uh, I'm on the clock, and I don't care about the rumors that they want to trade down. I don't. I don't care about anything. They're going to take Joe Burrow, Cincinnati. Um, it's the perfect fit, Ohio kid. He had the best college football season of a quarterback ever. Broke a lot of records. Good arm, not great arm. Super accurate, mobile, smart. He's going to be a perfect fit in Cincinnati. Yeah, um, I don't think there's a whole lot else to say. No. We're gonna kind of first... try to keep keep it moving a little bit. Um, these first couple, so we're not picks, really we're gonna, not gonna get that much ton. input on on uh, each other's picks. We'll yeah, just sure. kind of let the person that made the pick talk, so that this episode isn't two hours long. <clears throat> for um, sure. So number one, you get a boring pick. Number two, I get a similarly boring pick. Um, I went with Chase Young out of Ohio State for the Washington Redskins. This is something we talked about earlier this week on the Redskins seven round mock series. Uh, you know, probably the best player in this draft, not going to go number one because of positional value, obviously, but someone who's going to add a lot to that defensive line and um, do Ron Rivera well in his ongoing campaign that we've identified on this podcast. You heard it here first. Ron Rivera is going to attempt murder on Daniel Jones oh, for indirectly, sure. um, and Chase Young is the first step in that. For sure. That defensive line would be scary. So, First two picks, really no surprise. The third pick um, is deemed as, like, where the draft starts. Everyone calls it, right? You see it in pretty much every mock draft article. The first sentence is, pick three is really where the draft starts. And it's true, whether we see a trade-up um, where Miami trades up to, you know, make sure they get two or whatever quarterback they do want. Um, or we stay in pad at three like we did with Detroit. We're going to go Jeffrey Akuta here. That's the direction that I went. Um Darius Slay is reportedly wanting a new contract. I think they're going to pay him, and uh, there's a lot of good receivers in the NFC North, so now you pair Akuda, who is the best corner that I've evaluated in my tenure scouting. He's probably a top three, top four player for the majority of people um, that you talk to, and it's just I think it's a perfect fit. It's a position of need. You need someone opposite of Slay. Bring in Jeff Akuda to Detroit. Yeah, I really like that fit. 
Um, another fit that I actually really like, despite the fact that it's probably not the guy that uh, fans of this team want <laughs> necessarily, is uh, Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle out of Alabama to the New York Giants. Um, hopefully Brandon doesn't fire me if we're not already fired after the Giants episode. I'm going to say, Giants comes out tomorrow, so we'll see. We're recording this a couple days <clears> Yeah, early. We're recording this on uh, Thursday night, so the Giants episode isn't quite out yet, but... Once this episode is out, the Giants episode will be up. This episode's coming out on Monday. Um, but anyway, Jedrick Wills is someone who I really like for the Giants. He's the pick that we made in the seven-run mock series. Someone who's very powerful but also a very fluid mover in space. And I think he can play left or right tackle for you. Um, someone who, you know, we talked about Chase Young and the attempted murder campaign on Daniel Jones. Jedrick Wills is going to kind of be Daniel Jones' secret service as it is, as yeah. it were. Yeah, pretty much. And Giants fans, you still have Dave Gettleman as your GM, so you're gonna take a trench yeah, player, exactly. whatever, whatever side of the ball that's going to be. Um, Miami's on the clock. Another team that needs offensive line, but at five, they're gonna take Tua. Um, no surprise here. They've been linked to Tua for pretty much over a year. Um, injuries and uh, the need for, or excuse me, the lack of need for quarterbacks above them in the draft kind of just let them, let him fall to five. Uh, to Miami, um, obviously the injury is pretty much the only concern with Tua is if he can stay healthy. He's had a couple injuries in his college career, um, but I think Miami does end up trading up to three to secure uh, Tua. But in this mock, we don't have trades, and we still have him going uh, pick five to Miami. So, yeah, another one that's kind of been set in stone for a while. Yeah, kind of boring, but is what it is. Yeah, but you know, we'll get into the interesting picks here, and uh, that starts with six. With the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Alex's This is the part pick. of the podcast where I commit seppuku. <laughs> <laughs> I um I described this pick on the Whole Nine Sports podcast as one that I had developed Stockholm syndrome over, um, and that's Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon to Los Angeles. Um, I don't like Justin Herbert. Uh, obviously, he went to Oregon. I go to Washington, so there's that aspect of it. I also just don't really like him as a prospect that much, at least not as much as other people do. I don't not like him. I still think he's probably a first-rounder. Um, but this is a predictive mock, and if we're predicting what we think is going to happen, I think if the board breaks down this way, the Chargers are going to grab their quarterback of the future. You know, there has been some talk that maybe that Anthony Lynn is going to give to Rod Taylor a shot to win the starting job in camp. Uh, I don't buy it necessarily. Um, I think that's probably just something that they're going to say because they have Terod Taylor under contract. And, you know, maybe he does start for a couple games, even if they do bring Justin Herbert in. But Justin Herbert, grab your quarterback of the future. Um, open your new stadium. See see if you can um, recoup some value out of this disastrous Los Angeles, Los Angeles move. And, uh, yeah, I don't like it, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think Alex. it's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, and like, like I said, we're going to have picks here of teams that we either enjoy watching or whatever that we not necessarily like, but we're trying to predict what we think NFL teams are going to do. And that, sadly for Alex, is Herbert's going to his favorite team, the Chargers. Um, yeah, another um, team that could go in the quarterback direction is the Carolina Panthers. Um, Cam Newton has been up and down. Um, career completion percentage of under 60%, but the way the board is falling, there's Herbert obviously is off the board. I think he would be the quarterback that would fit in Carolina. So we're going to go with the best player available, and that is Derek Brown. Um, I believe three of their interior defensive linemen are free agents in Carolina. Um, um, all of them. Yeah. All I of think, them except F.A. Obata. Yeah. So they Every need, single one of them. They need help there. Um, Derek Brown, super big body in the middle, and, uh, you know, Carolina has been a team that's normally pretty good on defense. So you get in a top five player at this spot. I think it's a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, bring back Coney Ely from the XFL. Right. Um, he looked great. Honestly, he did. Apparently, did you see his interview where he was talking about how he had like a mental illness problem or whatever that kept him like he didn't talk to anyone for like two years or whatever. It I was, didn't, but that doesn't was, surprise it was, me. It was good pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Get him back on an NFL team. He deserves it. Anyway, um, pick number eight, that's the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, they have a couple different needs here. You know, offensive line is a need. You know, some playmakers on the defense maybe. But we're going to add another weapon for young Kyler Murray, and that is someone that he is very familiar with, and that's CeeDee Lamb, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. Um, 
this is a pick that's been very popular. Um, Josh and I kind of wanted to go in that direction, see what would happen if we gave Lamb to the Cardinals, how the rest of the board breaks down. Um, I do think it's more likely, if Jedrick Wills is off the board here, that the Cardinals take Lamb rather than taking uh, the second-best offensive tackle in this class, whoever they think that is. Um, Just because Lamb is so dynamic, and having your wide receiver core going forward look like CeeDee Lamb, Christian Kirk, and, you know, Andy Isabella out of the slot, assuming Isabella develops with, like, Keyshawn Johnson as your wide receiver three there. Don't forget Larry That's, Fitz. And Larry, yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm talking about for the future, you That's know. Fair. But, yeah, in 2020 with Larry Fitz there, too. Um, that's a team that is going to be able to make a lot of noise in this Cliff Kingsbury offense with Kyler Murray at quarterback. Um, I do think they need to address the offensive line pretty early in this draft. Um, I think all five spots really along that offensive line they need to address. But I think that they won't be able to pass up this fit and this chemistry that Murray already has with Lamb as, and just make C.D. Lamb their number one receiver um, and kind of like have a Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins situation in Washington. Yeah, I think that pick, once we the way the boards fell, it's either between Lamb or Tristan Wirfs there at pick eight. And, you know, we I think that King, we don't know how Kingsbury and Steve Kime will value offensive linemen with this new scheme. So right. based on how they've drafted in the past, I think that positional uh, skill position players is where they're going to favor um, that pick at eight. Um, going back-to-back receivers here, Jacksonville pick nine goes with uh, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama. He is the best and most sleek route runner in this class. Super great at uh, creating separation. He's someone that Jacksonville really hasn't had like a dynamic, legit number one wide receiver in years. And um, there's other needs on this team. You know, Isaiah Simmons would be a good fit here. Um, pair him with Miles Jack. But I, we wanted to go in the direction where um, – I think that they see Judy on the board at nine, and they're not going to pass up the dynamic playmaker that he is on the offense, which has struggled um, at times. So Judy goes here to Jacksonville, and I think it's a really good fit. Yeah, I really like that fit. Um, we ran that one by my roommate, who's a Jags fan, before we kept going with this mock. And so it's he, confirmed, 100%. Yeah, and he, he approved it, so it's confirmed an okay pick. None of you are allowed to get mad about it. That's None. what that means. Uh, pick 10, this is a pick that probably some people are going to be mad about. Especially those in Cleveland. Um, yes. Um, Cleveland Browns, we have them taking Makai Becton, the offensive tackle from Louisville. And so what I will say is that when we reviewed Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, he had Makai Becton at four, and we said that that would be a pick that we would change um, and move Becton down to like the mid-first, maybe early second round. But I think that... Since then, we've seen that NFL teams and people who are plugged in with NFL sources are pretty convinced that this guy's going to be a top 15 pick. And with this offensive tackle class, I think that that's definitely a possibility. And I think if one team is going to take Becton over a Tristan Wirfs or an Andrew Thomas, it'd probably be Cleveland. Um, just because I f- it, it just feels like a move that they would make. And I can't really put into words why necessarily it just feels like something they would do um obviously Becton's incredibly powerful that's kind of his best trait you know throwing people off the screen and just like pancaking people pancaking people left and right um really good reach really good honestly really good lateral mobility for a guy that big um his weight has kind of fluctuated uh, while he was at Louisville, you know, so that's something that they're going to need to keep under control. Um, he's definitely raw. Technique is definitely something he's going to have to improve upon. But like I said, it just feels like a move that Cleveland will make, especially now that uh, Ryan Grigson is apparently in the Browns yeah, front I office. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so uh, thoughts and prayers for Baker Mayfield. Because <laughs> Ryan Grigson is the reason why Andrew Luck is retired right now. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. So it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, I, I'm on the clock with the Jets at pick 11, and they are ecstatic that Tristan Wirfs is on the board here at 11. Um, the Jets have been kind of like, in most mock draft circles, in most places you look, have been the team that's kind of been left out as far as the offensive linemen. Um, they're seen as, you know, 
Arizona could take one, Jacksonville could take one, Cleveland could take one, and obviously the Giants and possibly the Chargers, and now there's no offensive lineman left for the Jets. In this scenario, Tristan Wirfs does fall to the Jets, um, and he's someone that can play both left or right tackle. Um, he was primarily a right tackle at Iowa, but Jackson got hurt, and he had to play some left tackle this year. But a lot of teams think he can kick inside the guard and be a all-pro type of caliber guard, similar to kind of what Brandon Scherf did um, coming out of Iowa when he was drafted mm -hmm. by uh, Washington a couple years ago. I think so. I think he could do that, but I think the Jets would draft him as a the blindside protector for Sam Darnold. I think his his role would be really he would fit really well there. Um, he's got a really good anchor and pass pro. He's more mobile than the majority of the tackles in this class. Um, really good mover. I think that the Jets here need to do anything and everything in their power to give Darnold help, whether it's on the offensive line or at the receiver position, and they get the best tackle on the board in Werfs. I mean, if the Jets are trying to get Sam Darnold's help, they should probably hire the Ghostbusters. But Seriously. I digress. Seriously. That was a good um, one. That was a good one. Pick... <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I came up with it on the spot. Pick 12 <laughs> is uh, the newly minted Las Vegas Raiders playing in that uh, shiny black stadium that on the thing strip. thing very nice. Um, it looks like the Death Star. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and speaking of teams that are ecstatic with how the board is falling here, the Raiders are probably the happiest team in the draft if this is the way things happen. Because they're getting Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Um, we've talked about on the show before, um, the Raiders need a sideline-to-sideline -side playmaking linebacker in that second level, you know, I feel like they have their edge positions locked down. Uh, Max Crosby was excellent this year. Clellan Farrell obviously didn't live up to the fourth overall pick, but I still thought he looked, he showed flashes. I think he could still be a good player. Um, they have some questions on the back end, but I think their safety duo is pretty solid also. You know, Jonathan Abram and Eric Harris, I think that's a pretty solid uh, duo moving forward. Plus you have Carl Joseph in there also. Um you know, corner is a little bit of a question mark too, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Isaiah Simmons is someone who can do anything and everything for your defense. You know, if you want to line him up as an edge rusher, if you want to line him up as a line as a middle linebacker, if you want to line him up as an outside linebacker, if you want to line him up as a nickel corner, strong safety, free safety, he can do anything you ask him to. And I think that he's a player that, especially with the Raiders GM being Mike Mayock, a guy who covered the draft for NFL Network for, you know, 10 plus years. I think they're going to fall in love with that versatility. Um, kind of look at like their division rival, the Chargers with Derwin James and kind of envision that same sort of role for Isaiah Simmons. And I think that's a role that he's going to flourish in. For sure. For sure. He Simmons is a top three player for pretty much. I think everyone at home line, I think he's my, he's my number three on my board. So falling to 12 because of, you know, position of value, absolute steal here. Um, for Las Vegas. I'm on the clock at uh, pick 13, and um, if you guys listen to the Redskins mock um, episode, you know I'm not a big fan of this pick or this player <laughs> at, at this spot. Um, huh. I get a lot of flack from you know other draft people that I talk to on Twitter for not being a fan of this player, and that's Jordan Love, um, who we've got going 13 to the Colts. We were going to stress this again. This is a predictive mock. This is based on what we think is going to happen. Jordan Love, to me, is not a top 13 player. I'm not even sure he's a first-round player um, in this draft. But the Indianapolis Colts, unless they plan on just going 0-16 and tanking for Trevor, need a quarterback. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was very inconsistent this year. And uh, obviously, you know, Lux retirement kind of threw a wrench into things and messed things up. But Jacoby Brissett didn't look like a guy that you want to go into the future with your at uh, quarterback. Jordan Love's got all the traits that a superstar franchise quarterback needs, but he does not have the mental processing or decision-making that a franchise quarterback needs to have. Um, at pick 13, there you can uh, sit him behind Brissett for a year, let Brissett finish out the rest of his contract. He can go into 2021 as the starter, um, which is what I think will need to happen in this situation. So for Love, I think it's a good fit because they can play a quarterback for a year in front of him. Um, but as far as the player itself, I'm just still, I can't get around to liking Jordan Love, even after watching his film like two, three, four, five different times. I just, I can't get around to seeing all the hype. Yeah, I'm, 
I'm low on Jordan Love also, but by all accounts, the Colts are very high on him. Oh, we heard sure. during Senior Bowl week the whole week that the Colts were in love with him. So, a player that everyone is in love with after the Senior Bowl. Rightfully so. Is Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. And he's going to be the pick at 14. I think that this is another one where the Bucks are ecstatic that the board is following this way. Javon Kinlaw is a top 10 player on my board. I haven't actually finished watching him even. That's just a preliminary grade. Um, I think by the end of it, he might, you know, be pushing my top five. Um, I really like Javon Kinlaw. I think he's, you know, he doesn't really have that many moves. He kind of just runs through people, but that works. (laughs) Um, He's 6'5", 315. He's got 34-inch arms. Um, So he basically just gets lower than you and then runs through you. And... That kind of just works for him. Um, so you can plug and play him immediately. You know, for a Tampa Bay defensive line that's looking at Ndamukong Suh's a free agent. Um, obviously, Gerald McCoy left last year. There's a lot of question marks on the interior there. And so adding Kinlaw, who I think in that 3-4 is more of a, uh, I guess it's three technique, five technique, um, next to Vita Vea makes for a very, very scary defensive line. Um, I really like this fit. I really like this pick. I don't think... I I hesitate to say that Kinlaw is going to be there at 14 after all is said and done, but he might be because defensive line isn't really a position of uh, high value either. Yeah, looking at the, uh, the top 10, um, I think Carolina could take him at 7. I think Jacksonville could take him at 9. Um, but other than that, I don't see – maybe if the Colts get a free agent quarterback, they could take him at 13. But yeah. I think that this is kind of the sweet spot for him, even if he is a top eight player on my board. Um, like you mentioned, interior defensive line, not really a uh, position of value as far as priority yeah. for a team. Um, going over to 15 with the Denver Broncos, and we've talked really a lot about Denver in our mock draft reviews and mocking wide receivers. Um, to Denver to help out Drew Locke. And we did the same thing. We gave him Henry Ruggs, um, who I think Denver is going to want to try to find their Tyree Kill. And I don't think there's any question as to if someone's going to become Tyree Kill in this draft class, it's Henry Ruggs. Um, the fastest player in this draft, he's going to run somewhere in the four twos at the combine. I don't have any doubt about that. I would be shocked if he ran anything slower. Um, He's someone that I think would be very complimentary across from Cortland Sutton because Cortland Sutton would be your 50-50 ball, uh, big, strong receiver, and then you can have Ruggs be your downfield play, and you can also use him in the middle of the field as well. Um, Drew Locke showed some promise in the games that he played last year, but he didn't play a ton, so we're going to need to see a little bit more of him as far as where he's going to be as a quarterback, but the best way to give your quarterback a position to succeed is uh, getting him a more weapons on the outside and offensive tackle is a need as well. I could see Andrew Thomas being the fit here, but I just, I like the fit with rugs a little bit more. Yeah. So two things as far as that pick goes, um, my roommate, my other roommate, I have two roommates. One of them is a Jags fan. One of them is a Broncos fan. My Broncos fan roommate has told me that it doesn't seem like the Broncos organization sees tackle as as big of a need as, uh, people in the media do, which is interesting because Garrett Bowles, uh, not good. Eh. Eh. Um, second thing I will say, my last mock draft that came out, I had Denver passing on Henry Ruggs, and everyone on Reddit was very upset, so I hope you're happy. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Moving out of pick... You. Yeah, moving out of pick 16, um, which is the Atlanta Falcons, they need someone who can sack the quarterback. Um, this is anyone, another thing really? that I've... This is another thing I've taken criticism for on Twitter. Um, people are like, "Oh, well, all of our all of our players get pressures. They just don't finish the. They just don't get sacks, and like it's fine. Like it's positive regression." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that's fine, but also no." <laughs> <laughs> I think they're gonna let Vic Beasley leave, um, and so then the question becomes: Do you want AJ Epinesa or do you want Caleb Von Chason? And I'm gonna take Caleb Von Chason. And my reasoning is that Caleb on Jason is basically Vic Beasley again. 
Um, Vic Beasley is my pro comp for Caleb on Chase on. I've also seen Brian Burns. I know we had a discussion about this in Slack, the we whole did. nine sports Slack channel a couple days ago. Um, pretty, pretty evenly split, I would say, between Brian Burns and Vic Beasley. Um, which those are two players who Brian Burns didn't get to play a lot for Carolina because uh, I don't really know why he just didn't play. Um, but he looked good when he did play. Uh, Vic Beasley is someone who obviously was very good. His, I think it was his sophomore rookie year, year, maybe it was his second year, and then kind of sophomore year, his came back down to earth. Um, and now he's going to end up on the free agent market probably. But Chase on is someone I like, and I think he's a better fit here than Epinesa just because um, the Falcons do run a three-four. Epinesa, um, if you're putting Epinesa in a three-four, he's probably playing more of a five-technique three-four defensive end role than as a stand-up outside rusher just because he's too big. Um, so I do like Chase on here. Very raw, only going to be 20 years old when the draft occurs in April. Um, so someone who having him cost-controlled for like his age 20 until his age 25 season, assuming you pick up his fifth-year option, that's going to be huge for them if he develops the way that we think he will be able to. Oh, yeah, and you've, you've seen uh, dividends with the Vikings and Daniil Hunter doing that way where he was, I think, 20 when they drafted him as well. So um, having a guy with that much potential being under contract for in their young years is crucial. Um, I'm on the clock with Dallas, and all signs are pointing to Byron Jones walking in free agency. Um, he's been linked to the Chiefs. He's been linked to the Eagles. We don't exactly know. Um, Vegas is another one that I'm seeing. So... They that. need they need a corner. Dallas does. And uh, I'm not sure this would be where I would go, but I think it's where Dallas would go, and that's C.J. Henderson. Um, I think this Christ- makes me sad. I think Christian Fulton is a better player and a better corner, and we'll talk more about him in a little bit. Um, but I think Dallas will see C.J. Henderson's athletic ability, his ranginess, and his 6-1 frame. And... They will, I think they're just going to draft him here. Um, another, I think they just need secondary help in general. Another choice um, that was on the board for me was Xavier McKinney, but I kind of wanted to try things a little bit different here. And I think Henderson, if any team is going to jump on him in the top 20, I think Dallas would be the fit. Um, not very good tackler, not very uh, physical in the open field. He's really rough at tackling, especially in space. But I think that if he can get that cleaned up, he's a really solid corner um with high upside yeah you know um like i said this pick makes me a little sad but i also don't like the cowboys so it doesn't really make me that sad (laughs) (laughs) we now move to the return of the miami dolphins um second pick of three in this draft uh they have too many picks as will as you guys will find out on uh wednesday's episode the Dolphins have like 85 picks in it's this draft. It's insane. It took which us is forever. why we did this instead, because this episode will be shorter. Um, I have Miami taking AJ Epinesa here. Um, I think that Miami also runs a 3-4, if I'm not mistaken. However, um, Miami just needs to add talent, and I think AJ Epinesa is the best player on the board at this point in time. Uh, you could make an argument for Andrew Thomas also, you know, grab a tackle to protect Tua's blind side here. But I think that, um, I just think Epinesa is a better fit almost. Um, you know, big, powerful player, someone who will not be a bust necessarily. I think he has a very high floor. His ceiling might be a little bit lower though. Um, which is kind of a reasoning for not putting him over Caleb on Chase on. I think Chase on ceiling is much higher, but his floor is probably a lot lower also. And I think for the Dolphins, you need to take some of those guys who are very high floor, maybe a little bit lower ceiling, but guys who are just going to develop into solid contributors for you. Because like I said, you have 85 picks in this draft and ideally you'd like to hit on most, if not all of them so that you aren't picking fifth for the next three years. And right. wasting to his rookie contract. Right. And Epinesa's, I think we all could agree, is a top 10 talent in the draft. Um, top 10, top 12 range. And he's been slipping a lot. And I think it's a lot because of, I think his ceiling is a little bit limited. 
Um, some people have him kicking inside to defensive tackle, whether you want to do that with him. I think he's capable of it, but I'm not sure it's like the perfect scenario for him. But I think, like you mentioned, Miami just needs to add talent. Uh, 19, I'm going to go with another corner. Um, I just mentioned that Vegas has been linked to Byron Jones. Um, even if they do get Byron Jones, I think this would be a really great fit. And that's Christian Fulton, a corner from LSU. Um, the media and the NFL seem to be low on Christian Fulton. We've kind of touched on this in past episodes, and we can't understand why. Um, oh, I, I have no idea. He He's, to me, is a top 15 player in this class, the clear number two corner. He's one of the best press man corners in the entire class, if not the best at it. Super sticky in coverage. The only concern I really have with him is becoming a better uh, run support player but he's going to be in coverage the majority of the time as a corner, so that's not really like too big of a concern for me. Uh, six foot, 200 pounds, really, really solid, well-rounded, technically sound corner, um, and I think him and Trayvon Mullen in uh, Vegas would be a nice, young, dynamic duo at corner for uh, the foreseeable future for Vegas. Yeah, definitely. Um, when, we talked, when we talked about this pick when we were planning the episode, we kind of said, like, um, even though the NFL and the media seem to be lower on Christian Fulton, if one team, if one GM was going to take him, it would be Mike Mayock. For sure. Because we saw last year the Raiders are really big on these high-character guys that played at very big schools. Obviously, Christian Fulton had the number one jersey for LSU this year. Big deal. Um, so we know he's a high-character guy. LSU, obviously is a huge school, won the national championship this year. So I feel like this is a pick that the Raiders could absolutely make. Um, moving now to pick 20, uh, we're back with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is the pick they acquired from the Rams for Jalen Ramsey. Um, I am not going to draft Jalen Ramsey's replacement with this pick because we've already taken, what is it, three corners? Uh, and two like in that. the last three picks. Um, so... Instead, I'm going to take Andrew Thomas and his slide here, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. Um, another guy who the NFL and the media is starting to get kind of lower on. Someone who, we talked about him last episode, I think. Um, someone who has kind of started to get over-evaluated because he was offensive tackle one for so long, and then all of a sudden you had these under, other underclassmen declare and we kind of went back to the tape and we were like, oh, I don't know. Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle four, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think like is that. what he is in this draft at this point. The Jags do need a left tackle by all accounts. Um, again, my roommate is a Jags fan. That doesn't necessarily mean we have an inside source, but we do have a little bit of uh, a little bit better knowledge than maybe some of these other teams. Um, the rumor is that they want to kick Cam Robinson inside to guard. Um, obviously, with Andrew Norwell hasn't really performed up to the contract they've given him. You know, you could see a restructure or maybe a cap casualty for him there. Uh, but I think he's getting paid too much to just outright cut him, probably. And then on the other side, AJ Can really hasn't been great either. So they kind of want to kick Cam Robinson inside to guard instead of having him play left tackle. That means you need a new left tackle. I think Jawan Taylor's a right tackle in the NFL. 100%. I think he proved that this year. I think he was fairly good at right tackle when he played. Um, and so adding Thomas gives you a franchise left tackle when you already have a franchise right tackle. And then you have two franchise tackles, and maybe Nick Foles doesn't break his collarbone again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or or you can just uh, throw Gardner Minshew back there and trade Nick Foles and move on. Or you know, or you can draft another quarterback in twenty twenty one. You know, or you can draft a quarterback even in the second, third round of this draft and see, you know, if he's better than Gardner Minshew. But I think now that they fired Tom Coughlin, I think that Gardner Minshew might be the guy moving forward. So we'll see. But having those two tackles on the edge to uh protect whoever it is going to be taking snaps under center, I think is going to be very important for the Jags. And I think that this corner class is deeper than this tackle class, and they 100%. can get a day one contributor later on in this draft. 100% agree with everything you just said. The revolving door in Jacksonville at quarterback might be coming to an end with Gardner Minshew mania. We'll see. Uh, I'm on the clock with Philly um, at 21, and we have uh, seen their depth chart at wide receiver. And although this, a good man. this 
Yeah, good man. Wide receiver one, not so sure. Um, and I low this wide receiver class is incredibly deep. They can get a contributor day one starter in round two, three, even round four. I think they're going to try to please their fan base here and please Carson Wentz by getting a round one receiver. I went with Justin Jefferson. Um, he's someone that stock has risen over the past really month or two. Um, he had a great uh, really last four or five weeks of the LSU season. That's kind of pushed him above some of these other players that we were used to talking about, like T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault. Um, I think Philly's going to let Nelson Aguilar go. Uh, rumor is they're going to let Alshon Jeffrey. They're going to get rid of him. So that leaves Greg Ward, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, um, and I'm missing some other names there as well um, that really aren't answers at wide receiver. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I'm not sure if he's under contract next year or not. Um, I believe he is. I think he is, but he's also, I think, 32. So do you want your wide receiver one to be 32? I don't think so. Um, Justin Jefferson is a dynamic playmaker. Carson Wentz will now have legit wide receiver one. And I think it's just a really good fit here with Philly, who just needs some sort of help at wide receiver. Yeah, I think, too, above all else, Philadelphia has shown that they need speed at wide receiver more than anything else, which is why we didn't give him this next guy. Uh, The Bills have no shortage of speed at wide receiver, but they do need someone who can catch the ball when it's thrown 10 feet in the air (laughs) Uh, because their quarterback is Josh Allen. And someone who can do that is someone that Josh mentioned in talking about this last pick, and that's T. Higgins from Clemson. Um, I think T. Higgins and Justin Jefferson is kind of have kind of switched places recently. Yeah. I think Justin Jefferson is someone where maybe people weren't necessarily expecting him to declare, or maybe people just, you know, they had started with their work on this draft class while the national championship was still um, hadn't been played yet, and so they didn't really, you know, write down Jefferson as a guy to watch. And then the college football season finally came to a close. You can finally watch all the tape that LSU has available. And Justin Jefferson looks like a world beater. Um, The opposite has kind of happened for T. Higgins. I think he came in very highly touted, has kind of fallen off recently with some of the seasons that these other wide receivers had. Obviously, uh, playing for Clemson, T. Higgins really only played the first half of like 95% of their games. So there's not really a whole lot out there. We don't really know what he looks like against like similar levels of competition other than watching the two college football playoff games that they played in this year. Um, but what we do know about T. Higgins is that he is a 50-50 ball machine. And that's really the really the one thing that they're missing in this wide receiver core in Buffalo. You know, they have John Brown to stretch the field. They have Cole Beasley to work underneath in the slot. They have, you know, they have guys like that. They have guys that can um, move the ball for you. But like I said, with Josh Allen, accuracy is a question. Um, having someone that can go up and has just an insane catch radius. And like, if you throw it even remotely near them, like they will find a way to catch the ball, I think is going to be something that's really good. That's going to be very important for Josh Allen's development. And I think T Higgins is the best option to do that at this point in the draft. For sure. And I think this pick has been pretty consistent. Um, any big-bodied receivers really been kind of mocked to uh, Buffalo to kind of balance out Cole Beasley and John Brown. I think the the fit's one of the best ones we've had in the first round, whether we think Higgins is a first-round player or not. I think he's kind of falling in the I receiver class a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think that the fit is there. New England is on the clock at 23, and I hate mocking this spot. Um I hate the Patriots in general. <laughs> Pretty much. So does the majority of America. Um, but the Patriots are so hard to predict for because you never know which direction they can go. You know, for years they've always been, um, we want to build on the defensive side of the ball. But then the last couple of years they've been drafting skill position players in round one like Sony Michelle and Kill Harry. So we really don't know the direction that they could go. Um, in order to keep Brady happy, um, you got to hit him weapons on offense. But we really didn't see any off. Uh, weapons on offense that would really fit New England um, at this spot. So I went with a versatile player on defense. That's Xavier McKinney. Um, New England likes to move people around um, across the entire field, and I think there's no one better available 
in the secondary right now than Xavier McKinney. Um, is safety a major need? No. Um, the secondary through the first eight games of the year was phenomenal. You know, Gilmore and McCourty were really holding it down uh, back there. But I think New England has just been a team that you just add talent to. And I think you're starting to see McKinney kind of take over that safety one spot. And um, he's not a great tackler, but I think his versatility – and the way that you can use him in a couple different spots will be appealing to New England at 23. Yeah, um, I hate this pick because I really like Xavier McKinney and I hate the Patriots. But also you have to consider, you know, the McCourties can't play forever. I think they're, right. you know, in their early 30s now. So one or both of them has to retire eventually. Um, because the only person that's immortal on the Patriots is Tom Brady and maybe Bill Belichick. Uh, Brady but, technically isn't on the Patriots right now. That's true. But I will say, I've seen evidence of Bill Belichick aging. I've not seen evidence of Tom Brady aging other than his play on the field, which that I is think fair. is a ruse. <laughs> Next pick, number 24, <laughs> Dylan Sanders' favorite team. That's the New Orleans Saints. Um, we have them taking a linebacker, which I think is something that has been uh, a little bit unconventional in some mocks. Um, this one is Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. This is a pick that I actually really like. I love it. Um, I've mocked it before. Yeah, I think the Saints should probably look to add to this linebacking core at some point in this draft. I don't know, you know, I don't know if they're going to do it in round one. But Kenneth Murray is someone who we've talked about on the show a lot. Um, sideline to sideline range, a little bit if you're in coverage, someone that just needs to trust his instincts, trust his football IQ a little bit more. Um, but if he does, he definitely has the athleticism to be all over the field and be you know, a complete game changer at linebacker. And I think you look at the Saints roster, Alex Anzalone, ha Alex Anzalone excuse me, hasn't stayed healthy for the last three years, maybe more. Um, Demario Davis is getting older. You know, um, some of those other guys, like I don't really love as full-time contributors necessarily. And so I think adding Murray to kind of even just like learn from Demario Davis for a couple of years and then eventually like take over his role, I think could be something that would be really intriguing for the Saints. And I, um, Dylan has told me, I don't know if he's told you this, but Dylan has told me that he feels like the Saints won't take a receiver in the first round because yep. this class is so deep. And also they don't really use anyone other than Michael Thomas anyway. So like even when they've had other talent at wide receiver. So um, that's why we decided to go, go away from wide receiver for this one. And I think this is a pick that would be really interesting and a pick that I would really like. Yeah, like I said, I've looked at my mock to make sure I did. It was my last mock draft on Whole9Sports.com that it did mock Kenneth Murray to the Saints. I think the fit's really good. Him and Demario Davis would be really fun pairing at linebacker. Um, yeah, definitely. I get to talk about my favorite team. Um, so Yeah, I, I got to too, but I was sad about it. I, uh, I can't be upset with it because I made the pick. But then again, like Alex just mentioned, he picked for the Chargers and had to take Justin Herbert. Um, looking at the Vikings, they have two free agent corners in, uh, Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes, and they also have this horrible Pro Bowl corner in Xavier Rhodes, who is making way too much money for producing little to nothing on the field. Um, other than... You should put an incentive in his next contract for the Pro Bowl. Probably should, right? Um, <laughs> he produces literally nothing other than pass interference calls on the field. So he's a cut and candidate. And touchdowns for the offense. Touchdowns for the offense as well. Um, I'm going with Jeff Gladney here, which if you follow me on Twitter, um, I retweeted a, a tweet. I can't remember who it was by, but it was talking about five draft crushes of, of this year, and Jeff Gladney's one of mine. Um, really quick footwork. He's really fluid. He's got length, which Mike Zimmer really likes. And he's more technically sound than some of the other guys they've drafted in the past, so I think that Zimmer will like that as well. Um, his route anticipation isn't great, but I think Gladney is someone that not a lot of people are talking about as far as being a round one corner, but I think all of us at Hole 9 have been pretty consistent that he deserves to be in round one, and I think Minnesota's a great fit, not just because I'm biased and really want them to take a corner. Um, forget the memes for a second. Um but I think it's I think it's a great fit. This pick is guaranteed to happen, and it's for a reason that you may not think. Do you know why? Why is that? Jeff Gladney already wore purple in college. Oh, you heard it here first. Yeah, that's it. They're going to trade up to number two and take Jeff Gladney. Yeah. 
Um, do the Vikings draft a lot of corners? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not, I think it's been like three out of the past five <laughs> years for the first round <laughs> corners. <laughs> yeah. Something um. Like that. Anyway, the Dolphins are back again. I want them to leave. <laughs> the Dolphins uh, remind me of people that I have to deal with at work sometimes. Where I work in a mail facility, and for a for the college that I go to, the University of Washington. And there are some people that come by like three or four times a day because they keep ordering more stuff. And that's kind of what the Dolphins remind me of. <laughs> like every time analogy. I think they're done in the draft, I'm just like, oh, look, they're back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's an interesting analogy. You could tell it's yeah. late when we're recording. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Uh, I went with Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston. Um Miami hasn't addressed the offensive line yet in this uh, situation. They have Tua and they have A.J. Epinesa. And I think that it's very obvious that the Dolphins are going to need to add offensive line pieces to protect Tua. Especially, um, I know the medical reports have been have been as positive as possible about Tua's hip injury. But I still have some questions just about his overall durability. You know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries while he was at Alabama, and that was behind one of the best offensive lines, at least prospect-wise, in the country. Um, And so all of a sudden putting him behind the Dolphins line that you have currently, that concerns me a little bit. Also, the Dolphins' backup quarterback is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, so Tua is going to have some freak injury or, like, steel crab legs like James Winston. (laughs) And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to find a way into that game. You better believe it. Um, Josh Jones, who is someone who I didn't have as a first rounder until after the senior bowl. I thought he had a really, really, really good senior bowl week. Definitely solidified himself as a first round talent. Um, I think tackles are going to get pushed up the board much like they did last year. And Josh Jones is someone who's just another really fluid mover, but also has a lot of power behind his movements. Um, a little bit more of a raw player, kind of like Makai Becton, a little raw Definitely is going to need to improve his technique a little bit, but I think having him step in and play left tackle for the Dolphins is going to be something that's going to be really crucial for them, and I think that he'll be able to develop well in kind of a trial-by-fire approach. Um, I do think he is a left tackle. There is obviously the discussion about do you want your best tackle to be your right tackle if you have Tua on the team because Tua is left-handed, but I think Josh Jones is a left tackle, and I'm really not that worried about it at this stage. Yeah, 100%. Um I have Seattle at 27, and I really got basically three out of my last four picks are really hard to mock. Um, Seattle's a team that pretty much every year trades out of round one. Yeah, this pick isn't going to happen. It's it's not going to happen. But It's going to be the Dolphins again. <laughs> pretty much, honestly. <laughs> um, or uh, someone's going to trade up for a quarterback. That's likely the two scenarios. Um, yeah. Seattle doesn't take first-round players. And when they do, it's edge rushers that most people have third or fourth round grades on in round one. Or running or backs. Or third string running backs. Or third string running Jersey. backs, exactly. Um, but I had to make a pick here, and I went with Grant Delpit, um, safety at LSU. He's someone that is falling pretty fast um, over the past couple weeks and months. He's someone that was entering the season as the top five, top ten player on most boards and is now slipping to not even being a first rounder, not even being a top two safety um, for some people. I don't necessarily agree with it. I still think he's Some current. people is just Josh because Kyle Duggar is his safety one. and then That is McKinney not is true. Safety two. Okay? I was just going to say this. Not me. All right. Grant Delpit, <laughs> still, biases aside, is still my safety one as of now. Um, that can change. You can watch more Kyle Duggar tape later. Uh, I just got fired because I mentioned Cal Duggar. Oh, well. Do that on your own time. <laughs> right. But um, Grant Delpit is another versatile player that had really awesome 2018 tape and really, really bad 2019 tape. If uh, Seattle is getting Thorpe. 20 yeah, – well, you know, that award just – should have been Antoine Winfield Jr. Okay. Um, if you're getting 2018 Delpit, Seattle is getting a steal here. If you're getting 2019 Delpit that can't tackle – um, then you need to find ways that you can develop him and get him back to that 2018 form because he's someone that when he is on, he is one of the best players in this draft and was one of the best players in the country. And when he's not, he looks like a shell of himself. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you add, if you add, um, 
Grant Delpit to that secondary, that's honestly a secondary that I like a lot. You have Shaquille Griffin, you have Trey Flowers, you have Grant Delpit, and you have Quandre Diggs. Um, that's, that's a, a, good, a good secondary. That's a back four that I really, really like, actually. I I personally really like Shaq Griffin, and I really like Trey Flowers as outside corners. I know some people don't. Some people think corners a need for the Seahawks. I do think they could address it later on in this draft. But Delpit is someone who I think fits really well with the Seahawks team. Um, another player who fits really well with the team that we put him at, we're at pick 28 now. That's the Baltimore Ravens. And I know, look, I understand Ozzie Newsom isn't the GM anymore. Doesn't matter. However, however, the Ravens are going to take an Alabama player in the first round because there are too many of them, and one of them has to go to the Ravens. And the one that we decided is going to the Ravens this time is Terrell Lewis, the edge rusher. Um, this is the perfect fit for the Ravens because he went to Alabama and he plays the position that is their biggest need, which is edge rusher. Uh, Ravens run a 3-4. Terrell Lewis is good, definitely going to be more of a 3-4 edge rusher. Really, really big player. I think he's... Um, I've seen comparisons to Zadarius Smith, who used to play for the Ravens, believe it or not. Um, Shocker. Matt Judon Shark- is a pending Shockiest free agent. Um, you know, could be a tag-and-trade candidate. Um, and other than that, I mean, they have friend of the site, Jalen Ferguson, on, their, on one side. But they need to add someone on the other side. And I think Terrell Lewis is someone who can start right away. I think he... Um, Definitely will need to improve his technique a little bit. He's kind of someone that just throws moves together and hope that it gets him past the tackle without really thinking about chaining them together. Like, he kind of just does things, um, which is okay. You know, I'd, I'd rather that than just someone that only has one move, right? Um, can play with his hand in the dirt or standing up. You know, uh, go back to the Whole Nine Sports podcast, listen to the interview that they did with Terrell Lewis a couple, I think it was last week. Um, also listen to that episode because I'm on it. And I'm interviewing Steve Wardle, the long snapper from Iowa State, but I digress. Um, <laughs> he's someone who um, has dealt with a couple injuries too. You know, durability is going to be kind of a concern for him, but I think he could definitely be a plug and play guy for the Ravens, who definitely just need help at that position. Yeah, and he went to Alabama, so yeah, okay. I think there's really four picks that you can sharpie in in this draft. It's uh, two to Miami, Burrow to Cincinnati. Young to Washington, and then any Alabama player to Baltimore in the first round. And T. Higgins to Buffalo. I, you know, I could see them going like LaVisca Chenault too, but I think T. Higgins is the most logical. Uh, T. Higgins is probably like in erasable pen. Right, erasable pen. That's a good one. We're on fire tonight. Um, <laughs> moving on to pick 29 is Tennessee, another team that I really hate mocking for. Um, I hate I hate mocking the Tennessee. It is the, worst. the most difficult pick to make. Um, th- we made this mock with the impression that they're going to bring back both Tannehill and Derrick Henry, whether that's via uh, franchise tag or long-term extension. Um, otherwise, running back is a real possibility here, um, or quarterback for that matter, depending on what they end up doing. But I think most realistically, they're going to probably tag Tannehill um, and then get an extension done with Henry or vice versa. Um So I think they're both back in Tennessee. And Tennessee has shown that they are not afraid of taking guys with some character issues. So I went with Yitor Gross Matos, the edge rusher out of Penn State. Now, uh, I'm not going to go too in-depth about the allegations that have happened at Penn State. But there is some uh, serious stuff going on over there that is being investigated that has Gross Matos' name uh, linked to it. But I think if a team in the first were to be trying to or be willing to bring him into the locker room that already has some characters um, in that locker room, um, it would be Tennessee. Uh, Gross Matos on the football field is super long, uh, 6'5", 264. He has got uh, really good length that allows him to beat guys easily. He's not the most technically sound player, but because of his length and overall solid athleticism and relentless motor, he just beats guys. Um, but he's not the smartest guy as far as football IQ and mental processing goes. He has some trouble uh, identifying runs and will kind of get himself out of position because he'll see something, but it won't actually be the he's not seeing the right thing and he'll be out of position. But I think Tennessee needs edge rusher. I think it's their number one need. That interior offensive lineman, um, I think it's just a fit here that, like I said, if a team's going to take 
a guy with character concerns in round one, I think Tennessee would be the most logical team to go that route. Yeah, you know, um, like we said, we still don't have all the details on the uh, allegations that Carlos Morris is dealing with. Um, so it's not really something worth talking about at this stage. But it is something where, um, you know, depending on what information comes out when, you know, could have him fall a lot more on this board. Could have him, you know, recoup a little bit of his value if he's cleared of all wrongdoing. Um, we simply don't know. And so yeah, it's we kind just of, don't know. Kind of a hard spot. But like you said, if one team would do it, I think it'd probably be the Titans. Um, not saying that they're a bad organization by any means. I no, think the Browns no. might also do it, but the Browns have a much higher pick. So, right. uh, you know. Pick number 30 is the Green Bay Packers. Um, they need a linebacker because Blake Martinez is okay, but everyone else is kind of bad. I think Blake Martinez <laughs> is also a free agent. Blake Martinez also is a free agent, and I don't know if they're going to re-sign him. I think he said he just, doesn't want to be back. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, that that's usually a pretty good sign. Um, so, instead, let's have him draft their, his replacement. Um, and that's going to be Patrick Queen from LSU. This is another guy who we've talked about in the change section of our mock draft review before. Um, we have said that people have gotten kind of excited about how Queen looked in the national championship game, uh, rather than taking him as a pros like taking his entire body of work as a prospect into account. But I do think, again, predictive mock. I think that a team in the back half of the first round, especially if Kenneth Murray is gone, um, might make a play like this. You know, wide receiver is also a need for the Packers, but I um, we didn't really feel like there was anyone worth taking uh, that would be a value pick. You know, maybe a couple, but uh, I think Patrick Queen is a really good fit for the Packers. Um, another guy who's super rangy, he's a very quick processor, um, trusts his instincts, unlike Kenneth Murray does. Um, very, very good lateral mover, um, really good in space. Um I think he's a very he's a much more complete player I think than a lot of the linebackers in this class where like I feel comfortable having him in run support and having him in coverage. I think he'll be someone that could be a three down linebacker um, pretty quickly in the NFL. For sure. Uh, there is there are a couple questions about his tackling. Um, I think he needs to add maybe a little bit more strength. Um, he takes a couple weird angles sometimes. I think he definitely um, needs to, doesn't necessarily need to, but should probably um, work with an NFL coaching staff a little bit on that. Just kind of like get a better understanding of like what, what angle to take and when. And also someone that just hasn't, doesn't have a lot of game experience. He only started 16 games in it, um, for LSU. Um Started five games in 2018, but then was Michael Divinity's backup for a little while until Divinity left the team during the 2019 season. Divinity ended up coming back, but Queen uh, held down his job. So a guy who's going to be an interesting eval, I think he's going to be one of the more controversial players in the class. But uh, I could definitely see him sneaking into the back half of the first if this is the way the board falls. Yeah, we've kind of seen him really all over the first round, as high as, you know, Vegas at 12 or 19, but also in the back half to teams like Green Bay. I think the fits there, like I said, there's there's receivers on the board, but with how deep the receiver class is, I think Green Bay would find more value uh, later in the draft. Um, San Francisco is my final pick um, at pick 31, and I went with yet another corner. I know you guys are tired of hearing me talk about corners and safeties um, on the podcast, but they're two deep positions. And um, San Francisco gets Jalen Johnson here, the corner out of Utah, one of Dylan's favorite prospects. Um, he is a long, physical guy. Um, he is known for being super grabby and tuggy downfield, um, which gets him into some penalty issues i think especially at the nfl with calling literally anything if you touch a receiver um he could have some penalty issues he's really aggressive in press coverage he jams receivers really well um and crowds them at the line of scrimmage which i think san francisco will love because san francisco already has a lot of physicality on the back end i mean we saw the hits that jaquiski tart was laying on patrick mahomes in the super bowl um jalen johnson will bring another level of physicality i think that 
He doesn't have great speed. He's not uh, downfield. He's not going to be able to keep up with some of these faster receivers. But if he can use his physicality to his advantage and try to keep them from getting to that second level, I think he'll be successful. He's not necessarily going to be a guy that's going to be a day one starter for San Francisco, but he's going to be a rotational piece, especially with Sherman getting older in age. Um, I think he's a good fit here. He's kind of someone that is a late first, early second round player. And I think San Francisco will identify corner as a need. Excuse me. Having issues breathing over here. Um, Corner as a need and look and see Johnson available. And I think that it's the most logical scenario here at corner for them at 31. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, as far as this fit goes, I think you could see Johnson step in and compete for that role opposite Richard Sherman with Emmanuel Mosley and with Akella Weatherspoon. Um, But I think you could also just see him sit for a year, learn from Richard Sherman. You know, there's been some talk about Sherman moving to free safety because he is getting a little bit older. You know, he's getting a little bit slower, not able to stay step for step with these receivers. And so I think if you see Sherman move to free safety, then maybe you see Jalen Johnson take a um, bigger role as a corner. Um, but I think it's definitely a pick that's made more for the future in mind than necessarily just 2020. For sure. Um, a pick that is made with both 2020 and the future in mind is the last pick of this mock. I have to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, which I don't want to do. Um, <laughs> they won the Super Bowl. Cool. Yeah, great. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's fine. Whatever. Shut it, Evan. Um, yeah. I hate the Chiefs. Uh <laughs> The one thing that they need is a center. They let Mitch Morris leave. Um, You saw it earlier in the season. Obviously, um, you don't want to put every quarterback injury directly on the offensive line, but Patrick Mahomes did dislocate his kneecap, which hurts my knee to even think about. Um, Yeah. Miraculously only missed, I think, like five or six games, uh, which is insane. But... I feel like um, if you're the Chiefs, that probably scared you enough that you're looking at interior offensive line to begin this draft. Um, obviously, corner is a huge need too, but I think we have a total of six. six corners in this first round, so it's probably not a value at this point. Um, I have him taking Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from LSU. I think he's someone that could step in, immediately be a day one starter, immediately be um, an effective replacement for Mitch Morse. Um Someone who is a little bit on the shorter side for center, but he has long arms. He has 34-inch arms. Uh, only like 6'1", but he's 315. Like I said, 34-inch arms. Super, super powerful. Really thick base. Um, someone who you're not you're not running through him. And we saw that at the Senior Bowl because he went up against Javon Kinlaw. And like we said earlier, Javon Kinlaw just kind of runs through people. And he did not run through Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, it was just two trucks running into one another at full speed. It was fun to watch. It was very fun to watch. And so, you know, I think you look at Cushenberry as a guy who centers really only go in the first round if that team needs them to start day one. You saw that with Gary Bradbury with the Vikings last year. Don't Um, want to talk about it. Eric McCoy obviously was a second rounder for the Saints, but the Saints traded up to get him once he fell to the second round, was a day one starter for them. Um, Ryan Kelly with the Colts a couple years ago. Ryan Kelly with the Colts, yeah. Um, And I... Um, Zach Martin with the Cowboys, even before that. Zach Martin, right? Or Frederick. Frederick. I was going to say Travis, Travis Frederick. Frederick Martin, Sorry. they drafted a guard. Um, I get I get them confused. Yeah, they were all drafted around the same time. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, Travis Frederick before that. I think um, Cushenberry is, is someone who I think will be a NFL player for a long time. I think he's someone that has a very high floor because, like I said, he is just that powerful, even though he's kind of a smaller stature guy. Um I really like his technique, too. I think his footwork is generally pretty good. Um, yeah, like I said, like I I hate this. I hate making this pick because it's a good pick for the Chiefs. 100%. And I hate the Chiefs more than anything. Yeah. Except not, the Raiders. I'm not even a big Chiefs guy either just because I'm tired of hearing Evan talk about him, to be honest. Um, yeah. Evan Mead, contributor for Online Sports, Chiefs fan. Hey, enjoy it while, while it lasts, buddy, because... Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be alive forever. Um, Joy Wall lasts because we're the we're attempting murder on Patrick Mahomes. Pretty much. But that's going to do it for the uh, first round mock. We hope you guys did enjoy it. Uh, a couple notable names that were left off. Um, LaVisca Chenault is someone that's been kind of a consistent first round player. We, yep. I think he's going to go in the first round. Um, but the way the board fell, 
there wasn't a perfect spot for him to go. There wasn't a team yeah. that fit well. Uh, Green Bay at 30 was in discussion. Uh, San Francisco at 31 was in discussion. But there really wasn't any fits that stood out, and we had to pound the table for him. So he fell, um, and there were no running backs taken. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, two top 25 players on my board, um, also didn't go in round one. I think that's something that you, unless someone were to trade up to get the five years on the running back, I think that uh, that's something that you realistically could see is uh, the running backs falling completely out of round one. Um, yeah, running backs are meaningless. Don't play running back, kids. Pretty much, yeah. You're gonna you're play gonna quarterback. Make... Well, NFL, I don't know. Honestly, NFL... play baseball. Seriously, but I don't know. NFL teams have been giving running backs guaranteed money, so I mean, yeah, and they've all been bad. Yeah, but the running backs still <laughs> gets their money, don't they? That's fair. Uh, Neville Gallimore and Ross Blacklock, also two interior defensive linemen that slid out of round one that yeah. have kind of been in that fringe first round, second round uh, area. So if you guys are uh, wondering where they went, they are not in this mock. So They're in the is, second round. They are in the second round somewhere. Stay tuned for a month from now when we do a second when round. We do, when we do a two-rounder. But that's going to yeah. do it for this episode. We hope you guys did enjoy it. We wanted to kind of mix things up a little bit after the last four episodes you guys have heard have just been kind of rinse and repeat, uh, scout report, another segment in the seven-round mock. We kind of want to do things a little bit different. Um, and we do have a couple more really cool things planned in the future. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, if you guys did enjoy it, leave that five-star review down below. Leave your comments and thoughts on the mock in the review section. Once again, tell us who your favorite host is. The one that gets the least amount of votes will get kicked off the show. Um, so it's way too late. Um, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at joshberg0611. Follow Alex at Alex Katzen. That's Katzen with a K, not a C. Um, go over to wholenightsports.com and go over and check out all our articles, mock drafts, scouting reports, a whole lot of stuff over there. Follow the podcast at WNDraftPod and follow Whole Nine Sports on Twitter at Whole Nine Sports. Um, until the next episode that's going to be coming out Wednesday. Right, that, that we decided Wednesday. Yes, this one Wednesday. you guys are going to be listening Monday, so stay tuned for Wednesday when we go through all 85 of the Miami Dolphins picks. Um, yeah, it's going to be, be a lot 12 of 12-hour long episode. It's going to be a lot of fun for you listeners. Not a lot of fun to plan, but hey, we'll see how it ends up shaking out. So, I'm Josh Berg signing out for Alex. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye.